Ooh. Hey, Father. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. So, what story are we getting into today? Oh, we're diving back in. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, call back later. <gasps> you guys, this week, we're going to talk about how God knows our imperfections. Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories with me, Brianda. Brianda! And uh, yeah, another week, another day, another dollar, the Spanish croquette another behind croquette. the wheel. Ole! Ole, 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 Oh, she's Colombian. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, wrong Hispanic. Hi, Clara! How are you, Mama? Oh, you know, you know, you know, you know, what, what, let's, let's talk about what I'm, uh, what I'm wearing. you're cross-representing today. Uh, I, yes, yes. You're well, also, I'll have you know, I'm wearing what would have been Bible Stories merch inside out because, Aww. um, A, I was struggling to find an outfit. B, it's a really great sweater. It's actually <laughs> very warm and you would know about it if it were in your hands. Um, and, uh, also leave us ideas for merch. What, what would you guys like to see for potential merch ideas? All we're, right. we're cooking. We're cooking. Uh, I'm also wearing a hat. I'm wearing, I think it's my first ball cap, baseball cap, or, uh, you know, a cap, hat, cap, really? what do you guys call it where you guys are from? In the show or in your Oh, not, show? not in life. Oh. oh, honey, I live in a ball cap. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like what? I live Those in at the like gym. You. At the gym. I don't want to see anybody. I look like a horse with blinders. Stay away from me. I know no one. Let me lift. Uh, but it's a horrible decisions hat. You guys look. Look at this. Without horrible decisions, Bible stories would not be in existence. Say what you want. True. All right. Ew, it kind of goes with the theme of this show. God uses our imperfections to build his kingdom. Believe it or not, and not to say that they're imperfect, but they are, and we are too. We're all imperfect is the okay. whole premise of, uh, stay tuned for later in the episode. Uh, but anyways, Claire, can you put me on the close-up real quick? You are. Oh, great. So, uh, also do something here. Uh, this is an announcement, a PSA. If you are a listener or viewer of Horrible Decisions and Bible Stories with Brianda, and you're watching this, I want you to take a photo of me in this hat here. You did? You got three different options, okay? I want you to take that screenshot and DM WTF. that is at W-E-E-Z-Y-W-T-F on Instagram. DM her that photo and say, hey, text Brianda back. Please answer my phone calls. Please. Uh, she's a busy girl. Weezy's a busy girl. She's a producer <laughs> of the show, for those of you guys that don't know. Uh, this is a cry for help, is essentially <laughs> what I'm doing. Bible babes, you're in it. This is our conference meeting, actually. Uh, but yeah, and I'm wearing uh, uh, fake Crocs that are cotton candy colored, and I'm super cozy, comfy. With platform. What's not comfy cozy is this wig. This wig is scree squeezing my freaking big ass head. Like, I'm like, um, so my dad hates it when I wear wigs. Why? Uh, it's fun. 
I think it's fun. And I mean, he knows why I do not it. Not that I wear wigs, but <laughs> I find it fun. I what? would if I could fit my hair in it. You could just do Ntubi. Yeah, but yeah, I guess. You could do it. Oh, girl, there are people I have with to, I have to try. Like, I always wanted to buy, like, wigs to try different, especially short hairstyles, because I don't want to cut my hair. But I love something like Bob. Oh, a nice bob or a blonde moment mm -hmm. or like a different. I love wigs. I love different like anytime I'm in a rough mood or I just have to switch it up. I have to, and I have so many different wigs, so I just have to change it up. I, I even loved when I used to have like previous partners, boyfriends. I would I'd like to Role wear. Play. Oh, sorry. What? <laughs> actually what? actually um yeah 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 oh gosh pin in this we're gonna talk about my dad in a second but uh, okay that was weird you said no i know that was really weird also <laughs> terrible transition but yes uh, did you know that that role playing is real like it's an actual thing yeah role playing is real uh and it's fun but now I'm going to bring it back to my dad because this is, ex Daddy, if you're watching this, please turn away, turn it off. So I was on the phone with my dad last night and it was so sweet. He was talking to me about uh, different Bible verses, different Bible stories that I read starting out. He knows that I... Oh, but he's not, he's a non-believer, right? No, no, no. I wouldn't say he's a non-believer. He's... Well, non-practicing. Non-practicing. Non <clears throat> non-practicing. He's from a third world country and he was born, he was raised dirt poor. And there's something about being raised in a, you know, a small impoverished country that'll make you believe in something. You I don't know. hope. Yeah. So, so I think that's what, that's what was ingrained in him as a kid and that's what stuck. So agnostic was more like it for him. But ever since I gave my life to Christ, my mom gave her life to Christ shortly after, my sister did was the third one. Yes, he guy. was the fourth one, you know, like on an island on his own. So the whole family's like, yo, dad, but what's up? But we're like, hey, yo, <laughs> it's real nice over here. <laughs> Dinner's over here. <laughs> See you in the living room. Okay, but um, he uh, he. So so, anyways, I, I gave him some of my favorite ones. We read Psalm twenty-seven together, verses fourteen to eighteen, to be exact. Uh, and he really really enjoyed that. And then my mom in the background was like, "Why don't you come to my church?" And my dad was like, "No thanks." <laughs> I'll pass on that one. Come, my mom goes to a very conservative Seventh Day Adventist church. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm not there yet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, his he said he wants to maintain some of his de democracy or something. I was like, oh boy, we got <laughs> a ways democracy. to go. We got a ways to go with that one, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but um, then he said, oh, Brianda, why don't I just watch your show on YouTube? There you go. No, I said no. Daddy has a terrible idea. This is a very educational, family-friendly show, Mama. No, I know, but I don't want my dad to listen. Why? I don't know. Would it be wonderful because for him to learn? Because we're just about role-playing and wigs. I mean, we could always edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys didn't hear the story, it's because we decided to edit it out, but we were talking about role-playing and wigs. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I would want my dad to, to, to listen to some, especially some of the episodes. Like I wouldn't want him to really listen to my dad hates seeing me cry. So definitely no episodes of me crying, mm, none of the you, soft yeah. stuff, you know, like tell him he can skip the guest episodes. Cause they're not like Bible related per se. 
yeah, no guest episodes, no crying episodes, no Q and A's. Uh, All right, we've got like twenty episodes left. I would, (laughs) (laughs) I would have to like curate a playlist. That's, I think that's so sweet because it's like a way for him to trying to connect with you as well, you know, and like he could find his way to religion anywhere and he's like coming to you and yeah trying to find out what you do and i think that's so sweet yeah it was really really dope it was dope and and it was it's i've never heard my dad say i don't know it's okay stay with me here but i'm at the age where i'm seeing my parents get older and i'm like starting to feel it like their memories starting to go you. they're starting to repeat stories and i'm like oh no yep. no 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 is this the beginning is this the beginning you know so i'm st- that's the age i'm in right now and all my life my parents were like superhuman and now i'm starting to see that they're not you know like well i mean within the last several years i'm noticing that they're not superhuman and they're they're just like me figuring it out so that's what that conversation it's like I don't know. Well, at least with my mom. My mom is not only my biological mother, but she's also a sister in Christ. So she, we have that dynamic. Mm-hmm. And to see my dad and I kind of have these discussions was was really nutty. And I was telling him, listen, forget mom. My mom goes straight to, you have to devote yourself to church. You have to eliminate all these things. Extreme, you know, the extreme, which can be overwhelming for some. For some people, it's the answer teach. for some, and it's not the answer. It wasn't the answer for me, right? But I said, listen, dad. Start with the relationship with the Lord and read the word. Does he God. own a Bible? Maybe yes. My mom, my mom gifted him too. Wow. One for the car, one for when he's in the car. for the car, not for the car. When he's in his car, just to have, you know, not to read You're while he's driving. To read, right? Oh. No, but like to have it, to have there. Why do you want a Bible in your car? Like, why do you want a Bible if you're not going to read it? What's the purpose no, of having he it in the car? Read it. I, listen, I don't drive, I don't have a car, but I'd want a Bible everywhere I am. Wait, wait, I'm confused here because what? isn't the purpose of the Bible reading it? Yes. So Clara. why do you want a Bible somewhere that you cannot read it? Clara? Is it like a lucky charm or something? No, my dad just, he, wait, I don't know. It's not a, first of all, no, not a lucky charm. Second of all, no, it's just to, to have in case he wants to pull out and read something when he's parked or something so as a reminder to pull it out. I don't know, but he has it there. He, he just started cracking it open, not the one in the, in the car, but the one in his room. And I said that it starts with showing up to those dates with God. That's how it, the second that light switch happened with me, like, oh, I need to show up in order to get to know him. Okay, it was a couple of weeks of that. And then it became exciting to get mm. to, to spend those dates with him. It's mm. kind of like when you're dating, this is the example I gave my, da- my dad. I said, you know, if when you're dating someone, it gets even more exciting the more dates you're in. Yeah. You know, you know more about them. Mm-hmm. I know more about the Lord. So and now I'm eager to know more. I'm eager to know more. Right. And then he presents himself in other people, in other places, and so- you see him everywhere, and he, and then he like just pours into your pores. And when I said that to my dad, my dad was like, oh, you know, Rianda, no, maybe that makes sense. And I was like, oh, my 
Daddy, that's so cute. Look at you teaching your dad. It that's was so really sweet. cool. Oh, God. Hi, Tangy. I have the hi, Tangy. No, hi, Tangy. Sorry about that, Tangy. My mom's in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Figure that hi, Tangy uh, <laughs> equation out. Um, my mom is in the background. I was telling Clara before we started rolling, I would start that story with my dad about the, the dating metaphor analogy anyways and uh i would say i would start it with listen dad if i had a boyfriend and my mom would be in the back like would you should (laughs) okay well dad if i was gonna go on a date you you should (laughs) anyways that's my parents Eh, anyways that's sweet it's it's a nice it's a cool thing it's a nice and it's i don't know you know that doesn't matter how old you are I think it's going to be interesting now see what way he takes because your mom is like super extreme. Oh, no. Like, no. How do you call it? Seven day ad- Seventh day Adventist. Adventist. You're more of a, like a freelance Bible study. Enough. Enough. You said that before <laughs> and I wanted to throw my crock at you. You then. are. No. Like you, you study your Bible by yourself. You don't follow like uh, a group, church. Group yeah, but don't whatever. say I'm freelance. I'm definitely full time. I'm just working from home. Freelance doesn't mean that you're not working full time. Freelance yeah, means fr- that you don't work for someone else. No, but I do work for someone else and I work for God. No, 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 no. When, I, when you're studying the Bible, like you're doing your own studies. You're not going to a Bible study group that is no, I scheduled. Am. I oh, am. You oh, you and by the way, and you should not only be reading by yourself, like oh, you should definitely I be in community. No, no, I, I do, I do. And then yeah. I help my mom out with her church group, which the great part about conservative church groups is that they're a wealth of knowledge in the word. Mm. It's it's something that they do, they do have some knowledge in history. Anyway, you two are like in two different variants, your mom and, and, and you. It's going to be funny to see where your dad lands because maybe there's a third variant for him or maybe he just like comes closer to either you or her. What about your sister? What is she? Uh, my sister and I are really on speaking terms right now, but I actually asked my dad that last night. I was like, so how is she doing? Mm-hmm. And, uh, Why did you ask her directly, Mama? Because we're not talking right now, Clara. Uh, so break the silence. Well, I don't know what happened, so I can't really talk. It, nothing happened. That's just welcome to the story of my life. Like, it's just the story of our lives. We just, does anyone, am I the only one that beefs with her siblings? I think that's what siblings are for. We're That's just why beef. I grew up with no, like, I have a sister, but she, we grew up in, in different times. So one of my favorite things to do is watch siblings fight with, with each other. I love it. No. Oh, no, no, no. Because no, I no. find it fascinating because I never had that. So I'm like, yeah, that's right. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think the reason why I can take jokes or, like, I don't really care when people make fun of or maybe I make fun of some people, I don't know, is because I had a sibling that was only a year and a half older than me or like a year and some change, and we would rip into each other. And because you're Spanish, mama. Spanish families, they they toughen you up from a childhood. There ain't nothing. That's how I know. I really do think I'm built for this. <laughs> Your I really parents do. are the ones roasting you before you even leave the house. So once you leave the house, you're toughened already. What does a kid go tell you that your mama didn't tell you? What Nothing. is there is no YouTube comment that could hurt my feelings. Like my mother hasn't already done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm immune. And also because I'm sorry, who are you in the YouTube again? Because you're my mother. Like if I care about 
who has you know some thoughts about me or my life is my mom or my partner or someone that's close to me but my mom and where my you're friends. a stranger and i have to be affected by ah, hell no yeah no 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 i can't wait to um uh have a boyfriend to have my mom shut the hell up <laughs> It's every single conversation. She'll always end every conversation at the end. She'll tag it with, life is better in two. Bye. Well, <laughs> it'll we'll be talk about Yeah, we something. should have your mom on the show one day. I would Absolutely love not. it. Oh, my God. I would love it. She's actually hilarious. <laughs> I know. I know she's, she is. She's right. funny, but she's, a, but she's very unkind to me. And that may be uncomfortable for you to see. Yeah. Yeah, because so, a lot of my friends, when that, when we're around, it's jokey-jokey in the beginning, but then they see that she's actually like, that's not, not a joke. Right. And my, if I had a dollar for every time, my friends have had to be like, actually, I think she's really great <laughs> at this. Aww. Like, actually, no, I don't. My mom saw one performance I had in New York City for a show, and my mom, after the show, we went out to dinner with a couple of the cast and my mom and my dad. And my dad is the opposite. My dad's like, oh, Brianna, when you came out, you did it, that's the Agramonte side. And my mom was just like, mm, the other girl did it way better. <gasps> you, I did not believe it. I did not, not, not. No. And then she said it kind of funny in the beginning. And then one of the guys in the cast was like, actually, uh, she fucking nailed it. Yeah, yeah. He was like, actually, I thought she was really dope, actually. I, she was my favorite part of the show. Like, and then she was like, boy, I don't. <gasps> Yeah, that's my mom. I don't know, that but she sucks, bro. Piss. Like my mom's the same. They're like, I can, I can like, I can. Could sympathize. you do that to your kid though? No, but I they they never. were raised different, mama. Well, anyways, is there anything else on the docket to chat about Clara, or can we get into this week's story? Mm, just like a reminder to sign up to the Patreon. Oh, that's tr- yes. Can you tell them, please? You tell them. I think they'll listen to you. Shit. Thank you. <laughs> Just quick reminder, guys, sign up for the Patreon. Okay, she's she's making me do it. WW. I'm like, I'm very insecure because I'd never remember it. But like www.patreon forward slash Bible Brianda. That's not patreon.com forward slash Bible Brianda. <laughs> you guys just sign up for the Patreon. I'm yes! going to edit it in here. Yes, that's my baby. I'm over, I'm back here like this. You're doing like, amazing, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> thank you Clara yeah. for that please guys go to the Patreon please even if you just want to help us out for a month or two or something mm. we're like man come on we work so hard also I think let us know what, what would you like to see more in the Patreon what's your yeah like if you were paying for a Patreon tier what would you like within the next couple of months I feel like I'm going to get my my groove back yeah. <sighs> I think once you're settled and, and everything, you know, it's going to be easier to go back to a stronger volume of content. Yeah, I don't think some of the people don't know this, but I'm, I'm moving oh. apartments. It's like, it's, oh God. And if you guys know, moving in New York City is Stressful. honestly the worst. Like, I don't know what's worse, that or a funeral. It's, I don't know. She that, did not say a funeral. Was that too dark? You know what? We're here now, baby. We're here now, baby. It's Bible story. It's all with me, Brianda. <laughs> Let's go to the story, Mom. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into this week's story. But first, I want to give a huge shout out to the D Group's The Bible Recap Podcast. 
They have helped me out big time this week for the next book to do before we continue on in Isaiah. Because this week, we are hopping back into the narrative story. 2 Kings chapter 18 and 2 Chronicles chapters 29 to 31. Next week, however, we are going to be knocking out one of the prophetic books named Hosea. Hosea, I can't wait to talk about him. Mm. He was a prophet that was in the northern kingdom of Israel at the time of them splitting too. uh, No, it happened about 200 years after they split. It's really cool. And uh, you said 200 years, like it's nothing, like it's a little break. And it's like, I'm actually, just, 200 years is a few. You know, we, we've been in the text, we've been dealing with centuries, you know. I know, what I'm that's saying? why, like, it's funny. He's like, no, it was just 200 years apart. Clara, <laughs> we're history babes, we're academic babes. Okay, we're talking about BCE. Okay. We talk about 200, 300 siglos. Okay. <laughs> Anywho, um, and then. After we're done with Hosea, we're going to pop back into Isaiah. Did I say that wrong? Mm-mm. Hosea, Isaiah. Hosea, Hosea, Isaiah, Yosea. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I also want to say, uh, fun fact, the last half of Isaiah is my favorite. Mm. Your favorite from the Bible or from Isaiah? Oh, my gosh. I was going to, I, I meant initially my favorite of the book, Isaiah, but... Isaiah 41 is up there for me, for my Ooh. favorite chapters of the Bible. It's like my, my on my Mount Rushmore mm. and Isaiah 43. And of course, Isaiah 6 was good okay. too. Okay, okay, sorry. Let's move on. Okay. 2 Kings chapter 18. Hezekiah is the king in Judah, and he was a rider for the Lord and was nothing like his trifling daddy Ahaz, king of Judah. Okay, Hezekiah was crossing off God's to-do list swiftly and was a dope king, all things considered. You know what I'm saying? Judah wasn't, wasn't in a good position. You know what I'm saying? We already know this from the, from the book of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. He even managed to get rid of all the idols in high places in both kingdoms, not just Judah, but in the northern kingdom of Israel too. Mm. I mean, how he managed to do that, I can't wrap my head around. All I know is that when you truly worship God 125,000%, all the other idols that you have in your life disintegrate. Hmm. That is what true worship will do. Things happen. Things happen. When you worship Yahweh, let's go to some scripture. All right, we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. That snake was called the Nehushtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. Hi, Tangi. The bronze snake was made in the time of Moses and the Israelites in the wilderness. When they'd fall into sin, 
and the Lord chastised them for doing so. Centuries later, King Hezekiah broke the bronze snake Moses made because people started worshiping it like a god. This shows how easy it is for us to take the things of God and twist them into idolatry. We must never worship the tools or the people God chooses to use, but always bring the honor and glory to God and God alone. It's as simple as that. Just give it to God. Yeah, 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 yeah. In Hezekiah's fourth year and the seventh year of Hosea, son of Elah, king up in the northern kingdom of Israel, the king of Assyria, Shalmaneser, sieged and captured all of Samaria. Map here. Now, y'all know Israel was next to get murked by the Assyrians because we already read it in the book of Isaiah. Laws of hermeneutics. Camera, uh, close up. Laws of hermeneutics. The perfect way to read the Bible. <laughs> Lots of hermeneutics. Anyways, the king of Assyria drove them out of their nations. <laughs> That's rough. But you guys know that in the northern kingdom of Israel, that covenant promise made with the Lord had been broken continuously. Let's dive into some scripture. All right. We're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 10 to 12. So Samaria was captured in Hezekiah's sixth year, which was the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel. The king of Assyria deported Israel to Assyria and settled them in Hala, in Gozan, on the Habor River, in the towns of the Medes, or the Medes. I don't know how to say that. Someone let me know in the comments. This happened because they had not obeyed the Lord, their God, but had violated this covenant, all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded. They neither listened to the commands nor carried them out. Here is just scriptural text showing uh, exactly why the Lord was doing what he was doing. And Hezekiah already knows this too. That's why Hezekiah is tapped in. He knows that his forefathers, he knows his father was trifling. Hezekiah's father, Ahaz, was an evil king. He was not a good king. So he knows what the damage that his forefathers had done. And that's what he's saying. This happened because they had not obeyed the Lord, their God, but had violated the covenant. At the end of the day, it's a violation of the covenant. That's why Israel and Judah are in the predicament that they're in. Oof. Oof, this a wig, child. <laughs> it's tight. All right, we can do this. You gotta hate it yet? Not yet. I think 15 minutes will come. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, moving on down a little further in 2 Kings chapter 18, Despite all of the amazing and wondrous deeds that King Hezekiah has done in favor of the Lord, he makes a little mistake. Hezekiah bargains with the Lord of Assyria. Assyrians demand payment from Judah, all right? And here, Hezekiah has a moment of weakness because he's human and his faith was a little weak. Maybe it was fear for his nation. Maybe it was stress. I don't know. But Hezekiah tells the Assyrians, okay, fine. Take whatever you need. Take whatever you want. Whatever. It's fine. And they take all that stuff. And not only do they take random stuff in Judah, the Assyrians end up taking important, valuable items from the temple. 
Mm. You know, so uh, at this point, the Assyrians were threatening the Judeans. Like, you know what I mean? And they had already taken the Israelites, the Northern Kingdom captive. They literally moved those Israelites to another place to make, to oppress them, you know? And we know that from Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, how much damage that the Assyrians had done. Mm -hmm. So at this point, Hezekiah, I mean, what could you, could you, could you blame him? He's probably right now thinking like, okay, it's either the items or my people, right? Like, you know, the, the amount of things that you're thinking about sometimes that, that uh, how many plates you're spinning in life even, right? You know, you don't have a choice sometimes. And it, even though even though you don't wish to do it, it almost feels like, gosh, you're just hoping that the Lord has mercy on you, essentially. And I think that Hezekiah, from my understanding of Hezekiah's character from the book, where is God in the story? I'm looking at it from the lens of Hezekiah was so aware that the Lord has so much mercy and has continued to have mercy on him and his people that... That's why he went along and did it. Let's hop into some scripture to hear more about how Hezekiah told the Assyrians, okay, you can take whatever you want. Second Kings chapter 18, verses 13 to 16. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign. Oh, these names, child. What am I going to do with these names? Sennacherib. Boy, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're going to take that from the top. (laughs) Second Kings chapter 18, verses 13 to 16. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. So Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent this message to the king of Assyria at Lachish. I have done wrong. Withdraw from me and I will pay whatever you demand of me. The king of Assyria exacted from Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and three talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasuries of the royal palace. At this time, Hezekiah, king of Judah, stripped off the gold with which he had covered the doors and doorposts of the temple of the Lord and gave it to the king of Assyria." Wow. It's like, obviously in that moment, Hezekiah's faith wasn't the strongest. If he, you know, if his faith was on full, he would have kept that energy. Mm. Hezekiah bin had that energy with the Assyrians. At the beginning was like, Assyrians and what? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? <laughs> We're protected by Yahweh. And then they show up, they see all the damage, all the casualties that they caused up north, mm-hmm. all these, you know what I'm saying? And then things get a little, things get a little shaky, right? Mm-hmm. So in that sense, that's what, Clara? I'm thinking, would you say <clears throat> that the Lord put him in this predicament to test his faith? Certainly. Yeah. That's where, where's God in the story? Like you're trusting me blindly. Like you said, no, so what? We're protected by him. And now they come and they take your people. So you're like wondering, oh shoot, maybe he's not looking after us so much. Like, do you think God allows that to see if he still has like a blind faith? Like even though a couple of things go wrong, he's still going to believe or... No, I, well, I mean, again, we're, this is more of a Bible study discussion Mm. and uh, I'll answer the first part or I'll 
address the first thing that you said. Sure. I think that the Lord tests his strongest soldiers the most. At least for me, I see that, I see where's God in the story. I see, again, it's about God having mercy on a human. He was a human. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, here you have text of Hezekiah doing nearly everything to the T, perfect. We need to see, like, he's a human. He's only human. Mm. So I think that that was left in the story to show, to highlight that. Was it a test for him? Sure. Did he fail that test at that time? Yeah. That little that little bit there, That I definitely wouldn't say that he passed the test. Hmm. And now second question, and we're going to, go back to sort of premise, but now it, this is arising me as a second question is, doesn't God know your heart? Mm -hmm. So why does he have to test you if he knows your heart? Like, let's say if I, I'm a non-believer, right? If I mm -hmm. were to pretend that I believe <clears throat> if there was a God, he would not take my pretensions because he would know my true heart that I don't believe in it, right? In him. But if some, if it's the opposite, like if someone truly believes, why do they have? Why does he have to test the faith? Clara, you're graduating, so mm -hmm. you're graduating now from baby food to solid foods. Now, <laughs> now I'm gonna stop using the metaphor about dating God, like a like a relationship mm -hmm. with a person. When you're dating a person, yeah, tests are kind of annoying and like. I thought you loved me. Why are you testing me? In relationships, I can see how that works. That doesn't apply to God. So let me elaborate. God puts us in, uh, God utilizes certain circumstances to build our character. It's about building someone. The only way you're going to build anything is to get a little, get down and dirty, get mm -hmm. like, you're going to be put in uncomfortable positions that t you need, you need to show up for yourself. You need to see it for yourself. If you're not placed in those predicaments, how are you going to, Hmm. <laughs> what better way than to exercise your faith than by being put in these circumstances? Do you know what I mean? Mm. And guess what? He failed this one. That is going to be the best thing that's ever happened to him. Because he'll never make that same mistake again. Mm. Yeah, how is sense. that? How is that feeling for you? It makes sense. I still... Yeah, it makes sense because in life, like I always think in my personal life too, that you learn more by making mistakes than like I can tell you a thousand times, don't go there, you're going to hurt yourself or you need to go there and hurt yourself before you learn the lesson. I still feel like God tests some people's faith sometimes and I don't understand why if he technically knows your true heart. He should well, know already. No, no, no. But he knows our hearts and he knows our proclivities to sin or our uh, uh, our natural proclivities to our, for our faith to waver. He knows us. And he knows that 
we're human. We're only human. Like, I think that, again, it's a way to build our character. How else is he going to be able to do that if not this way? <sighs> Woo! This wig is giving me a migraine. <laughs> Let's get back into the story. So, after the bargaining between Hezekiah and the Assyrians, now Assyria and their gang of people roll up on Judah because they want to know why everybody in Judah is so confident. You know, they want to know, oh, why do you think that you can withstand our takeover? Why is everyone so calm? The Assyrian king sends his supreme commander to Hezekiah's reps in Judah to ruffle their feathers a bit and get them scared. He sends them there to talk in front of all the people in Judah. And the Assyrians are basically saying, hey, yo, y'all always say you guys got the Lord. You guys got the Lord. Rah, rah, we love the Lord, but we're not buying it. First of all, you guys are so confident in your Lord. Meanwhile, your king, King Hezekiah, just removed all these statues and altars and removed Moses' snake too. They end up saying, y'all are lying. Like, y'all are probably just like fibbing, right? You're in a secret alliance with Egypt, huh? right? That's why you guys are so confident, huh? Of course, when you're scared, the enemy is like, why are you guys so confident? You guys have, es que ustedes tienen otro, otro planes. Like, there's something else happening. Wrong, okay? High tangy, not high tangy. But this is exactly how people who do not believe in God or faith speak. They... They over-intellectualize. Think about it. That's what the Assyrians were doing because they know that the Assyrians are about to destroy them. And yet a lot of the Judeans were like still set in the Lord, not budging, mm -hmm. you know? So in their heads, they're not thinking that's real faith. They've never seen anything like it. They don't have faith. Mm -hmm. They're thinking, oh, it's that they have a plan with the Egyptians. The Egyptians are saving them. That's what's happening. No, that's not what was happening. Also, another example could be they're the enemy. This is sort of how the enemy approaches believers as well. The enemy is not dumb. They know a little bit about a lot because they know about the significance of the altars and Moses' snake. How do they know so much about a God they don't worship? Mm. Why are they probing the Judeans, teasing them even? The devil uses what we know to manipulate us into questioning our own morality. And that's tea. Mm. Then the Assyrian king's homies start talking mad loud in Hebrew. They, they want to fight is what's happening. <laughs> It's like West Side Story, like you got the Assyrians and then you have like, <laughs> and then you have the, the uh, Judeans, you have King Hezekiah's people. So um, <clears throat> they start talking mad loud in Hebrew about how the Assyrians are going to destroy Judah. Uh, um, and Elikim, Eli Eliakim, sorry, it's me English, he said, little no good looking. Eliakim, King Hezekiah's commander said, yo, bruh. Can y'all like keep it down? You guys are talking real, real loud. We got moms, we got children in the back. Please lower your voices. Uh, oh, just kidding. The, the text says that he asked them, hey, let's take this over here. But could you also not speak Hebrew? 
could you speak Aramaic? Because the people can understand your Hebrew. And for you guys that don't know, Aramaic is a Semitic language that uh, the Assyri- it, that was originated in Syria. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is that what Virgin Mary spoke? Yes. Huh. How do you know that? For the show in Spain. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah. Look at you. Well, did you know that the Bible, high tangy, not high tangy, Bible stories, education time. Did you know that the Bible was written first in Hebrew and then translated into Aramaic? Mm. And then the third one was Greek. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. Let's dive into some scripture to hear more about this ruckus with the Assyrian commanders and King Hezekiah's commanders. Second Kings chapter 18, verses 27 to 30. But the commander replied, Was it only to your master and you that my master sent me to say these things and not to the people sitting on the wall who, like you, will have to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine? Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you from my hand. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, the Lord will surely deliver us. The city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Oof. It's it's like that moment is the Assyrians are now taking it to the people. Hey, by the way, King Hezekiah says that he can save you. He can't. That's, that's literally smack. He's talking smack is what he's saying. He took it. He went from Hezekiah's reps to now the people. Mm. Y'all are all playing yourselves, essentially. Do you know what I mean? He had to try. And, but, you know what's, ugh, but you know what I hate about those people, those abusive people, is that people that have strong faith or elders in the faith, they're not going to be scared about that. They've been through stuff. They're not going to be scared mm. of that. But the people who are in the middle or were weak-willed, Doubting, yeah. they're going to listen to the Assyrians say that, and that's it. They're going to cut off. They're, they're stifling new growth, you know? And that's where my heart kind of, my heart hurts for the people who heard that. Like, oh, but the, but the babes, not the babes! <laughs> you know? I feel like my job is a, is a, or not my job, but it's not my job, but I do feel like it's an, like a kind of a responsibility I've taken on is to like help the the misfits, the people in the middle, <laughs> like, you know, don't lose faith. Please keep looking to God. Hi, Tangi, uh, Bible Babe Jordan left me a beautiful prayer. And in her prayer, she said, linger with the Lord. Just linger there. Stay there. Like that was the most powerful thing anyone could have ever said. Like that's what some babes just need to do. Like when you're lost and you don't know whether the evil is right and whether the right is evil or whatever, listen, Cut the people out. The people aren't God. Just close your eyes and linger there. All you have to do is linger. No, you have to. No, you have to. Of course, no, they have, have to go to let the song. it linger. Ooh, the cranberries. You know, I'm such a Okay. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Uh, that's a great song. Uh, now we now we can go. That's we're, why I'm gonna do a little reel of. If you ever wonder what it's like <laughs> working with Brianda. No. 
<laughs> okay, 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 okay. Let's go. The end of Second Kings chapter 18 concludes with all of King Hezekiah's representatives and commanders showing up to him, and they were riled up by what the Assyrians had done. The bullying worked, you know? And they all ripped their clothes off in front of Hezekiah, crying about Aww. what the Assyrians were about to do. Could you imagine being a king, seeing your best men, you know, like tearing their clothes off in like fear and pain? We're now in Second Chronicles chapter 29, and Hezekiah has plans to purify the Lord's temple. Now, the first half of this is just a laundry list of more specific things that Hezekiah does in his reign to repair what's been broken, both spiritually and physically, okay? But he knows that he's going to need to bring out the, the big guns <laughs> in order to help these people, and it's going to start with restoring faith. And that begins with the priests. So in order to purify the temple, it was going to start with the priests. He was going to order all of the priests to be consecrated. Let me give you some more information mm -hmm. on consecration. Consecration. You know, consider this a ceremony involved in the consecration of the Levitical priesthood, beginning with Aaron. I bet you people don't remember who Aaron is. I surely don't. Ugh, what a shame, what a shame. But it's fine, that's why I'm here. Aaron was Moses' brother. Okay. And remember the Lord appointed Aaron to be the one, the high priest, the one in charge of all other priests. Yeah. So the high priests are always in the line of Aaron. Mm-hmm. Maybe jog your memory. Yeah, yeah, it brings a bell. Clara, this episode, if you're, if you're, if you need a little, you know, refresh, refresh on uh, priesthood mm -hmm. and the importance of priesthoods in the Levitical a book of Leviticus, it would be the first one. Don't talk to me about the legalities, okay? I'm just here. I'm just here to entertain you and glorify the Lord. Anyways, the ceremony is described at the beginning of Exodus 29. The Hebrew word for consecrate means to fill or to fill the hand. It was God's intent that the priesthood would fill themselves with the work God set aside for them. The consecration ceremony was designed to physically demonstrate that. Part of this ceremony involved bringing a ram before the door of the tabernacle, having Aaron and his sons lay their hands on the head and then sacrificing the ram. After the sacrifice, some of its blood would be dabbed on the tip of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot of Aaron and his sons. Afterward, it was to be sprinkled on and around the altar. Very specific, uh, that's just the origin on consecration. Hmm. And that's what Hezekiah was about to do. He was about to go in there. Tradition. They had spent so long deviating from tradition. Mm. And right now the people, what they needed more than anything else was a refresh. Like I said, refresh our brains with the episode. They need a refresh for their faith. They needed to, to, feel, to feel that fire again that was once there. Right. Okay. 
So let's go into some scripture to read more about this consecration. Second Chronicles chapter 29, verses 3 to 8. In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He brought the priests and the Levites, assembled them in the square on the east side, and said, Listen to me, Levites, consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our parents were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord, our God, and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you can see with your own eyes. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that would have scared me. If I was a priest and I heard the king say that, I'd be like, all right, let's get to work, guys. <laughs> you know, like Bob the Builder. All right, let's do this, which is essentially what they were doing. They were rebuilding the temple, you know, and they eventually end up doing that. They brought all the rams and the lambs and the animals and the, the, everything they, they, from, from, the, from scratch. It took a while, but they got there. Hmm. Um, in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 20 to 21, we hear more about what happens after the priests did all the things that were on their to-do list. Uh, verse 20 says, early the next morning, King Hezekiah gathered the city officials together and went up to the temple of the Lord. They brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven male lambs, seven male goats as a sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary and for Judah. The king commanded the priests, the descendants of Aaron, to offer these on the altar of the Lord. Yep. Yep. I do remember that when I was reading, there was a point in, in the duties that the priests were doing where something didn't seem right. And this is what's so great about the Bible. It's a whole library of books. So you can double, see, you can double check mm -hmm. and see information like, huh. In, in Dominican Spanish, we say, hay un maco raro. Mm. Like there's something off. There's something that, that's not right here. And something I know off. something off about this because if you know those Levitical books, they are very uh, strict about rules and very specific about things are to be done. Do you remember what the king that wasn't allowed in the, in the temple? Kings aren't even allowed in yeah. the temples that priests are supposed to be. Anywho, there is a point in Second Chronicles where I noticed this. It's in Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 32, and I'll take it to uh, 34. The number of burnt offerings the assembly brought was 70 bulls, 100 rams, and 200 male lambs, all of them for burnt offerings to the Lord. The animals consecrated as sacrifices amounted to 600 bulls and 3,000 sheep and goats. The priests, however, were too few to skin all the burnt offerings. So their relatives, the Levites, helped them until the task was finished and until other priests had been consecrated. For the Levites had been more conscientious in consecrating themselves than the priests had been. Now, if you guys, guys want to contest what I'm about to say, please do, because I'm not a biblical scholar. 
But it says here that the priests that were ordered to do this, they weren't, they didn't have enough hands to do all of them. Mm -hmm. So they outsourced their relatives to help. Mm -hmm. Here we have a little bit of a, like deviating a little bit from the plan a bit, kind of like, I wouldn't say it's an act of faith being sacrificed or like they're not unfaithful, but it's a, it's a, it's, you made a choice to deviate from a, a specific plan, a specific instruction. At the end of the day, it was to glorify the Lord, to honor the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But they weren't supposed to have relatives do that. They were supposed to be the ones to do it. Yeah, like you can't have a king, but you can have your brother or your cousin. Kind of. A little bit, a little bit. Now, we won't. I won't say the Levites, Levi, hello, Levi, the Levitical, they are in the family line. They're, like I said, they're relatives. But they weren't those priests that were assigned to do that. Mm -hmm. So in my head, this kind of falls in line with the, well, you're human. The humans looked at the 600 sheep in the goats and were like, we're going to need some help. <laughs> we, we're going to need to call our cousin up because, <laughs> well, I mean, come on. You know, and the Lord is probably looking down like, I'm not going to lie, those are a lot of rams. <laughs> those, those, I did ask for a lot here. <laughs> you know? And now we're at chapter 30, babes. And Hezekiah celebrates the Passover. The temple has been purified now, obviously from the last chapter, and Hezekiah is ready to turn up. But first, he sends a letter to all of Judah, Israel, and Ephraim, and Manasseh, even. Let's go to some scripture. Woo! All the scripture. I hope people like the scripture. I think they do. I like it. I like it. I quite like it. <laughs> scripture. <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter 30, verses 6 to 9. At the king's command, couriers went throughout Israel and Judah with letters from the king and from his officials. And this is what the letter read. People of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may return to you who are left, who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. Do not be like your parents and your fellow Israelites who were unfaithful to the Lord, the God of their ancestors, so that he made them an object of horror, as you see. Do not be stiff-necked as your ancestors were. Submit to the Lord. Come to his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever. Serve the Lord your God, so, so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. If you turn to the Lord, then your fellow Israelites and your children will be shown compassion by their captors and will return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. I would love to read that last one one more time. Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 9. If you return to the Lord then your fellow Israelites and your children will be shown compassion by their captors and will return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. 
Wow. And a huge number of people listened to that letter. They showed up for the Passover celebration. And then in that chapter, there's a song, and it's like, I love, I love reading It's like them. a party. Yes, it was a party. It's, to, it's a rem remembering the Passover, you know? And not to mention, there are some people in that generation that have never seen that before in their life, ever. And yet that's a part of their history. Right. You know? So it's also bringing people back to their, these Israelites, to their roots. Like we are all united by a pandemic. I mean, I wouldn't compare the Passover to the pandemic. <laughs> but you know what, Clara? It's a once-in-a-lifetime type of event, though. Okay. Well, this can't be a once-in-a-lifetime. It needs to be annual. Theirs. The Passover, Clara, yeah, not the, the pandemic. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Oh, yeah. I told you you didn't sleep last night. Oi. What? Joe, Joe, we're going to go to wet markets in China. Please keep it over there. No, no, don't keep it over there. We don't want you to... Okay. Ah, oh, ah, oh, I'm going to get canceled. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh. I put a job in D on Indeed looking for a new producer. For <laughs> Mine's going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> We're replacing Clara. <laughs> imagine I get like the most Christian person over there. I'm just going to be missing you. The whole time. <laughs> I miss my atheist. <laughs> okay, okay. Like the, the Christian would be like, actually, you didn't say that. <laughs> actually, the way you pronounce it is Eliakim. <laughs> Thanks, Gertrude. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> All right. Oh, my jaw hurts. Okay, let's do this. Um, this mic's trying to dance with me. <laughs> what? I didn't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hop into some scripture to talk about the Passover celebration. Second Chronicles chapter 30, verses 26 to 27. There was great joy in Jerusalem, for since the days of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. The priests and the Levites stood to bless the people, and God heard them, for their prayer reached heaven, his holy dwelling place. This is the chapter of the celebration and, and stuff. That's nice. Mm. To have scripture of the prayers meeting heaven's doorstep, like, ding dong, prayer here. Oh, <laughs> what a beautiful image, you know? Okay, we're winding down the episode, and we're at Second Chronicles chapter 31 which is basically a continuation of chapter 30. And after the Passover party was the Passover after party. <laughs> and the Israelites who were there went out to the towns and smashed all the sacred stones. They cut down more Asherah poles. They destroyed more high places and altars made to false idols. I mean, high tangy, not high tangy. This reminds me of when, like, cities win the Super Bowl and they start messing stuff up. Ole, 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 ole. I'm sorry, God. It's a bit much. Uh, but anyways, it reminds me of that. Like, you know, when you have such, I don't know. Yeah. Like, guys, we're celebrating. And they get. Why do we do that as human beings? I'm going to lie to you. I think it's real stupid. Because like, the next day, you know who got to clean that? No, they don't. People from the city, so. Yeah. They don't care, clearly. I always feel so thing. bad. Sometimes I help pick up some stuff. Like, it's very so stupid because they, they, so we take the trash out. Like, you guys 
have like a little can in front of the door and they pick it up from there. Mm-hmm. We have like a big container in the middle of the street and you just have to go there and drop your bag inside a container. So when there was like a celebration like that, people would be burning them down. It's like, you're so stupid. It really you're supposed is. to celebrate, you're just damaging like city property that you're going to pay you? with your taxes. Uh, I've thought about this. I've thought about this and I've thought about this. Not long. Uh, so pardon if it sounds stupid, but I really do think it's primitive. Yeah, 100%. I think it's, yeah, it's like. Because even the sounds they make. It's a, yeah, we sound like chimps. Like, yeah, 100%. I, I really do think, and then if you see someone else doing it, it's like, yeah, it's like a mosh pit. Yeah. 100%. So I, I think that that was kind of, that was kind of cute. Um, let's get on uh, into some scripture to see a little visual of this mm-hmm. or to finalize this you know finalize the party you know hezekiah has a little parting some parting words let's end today's episode on some scripture second chronicles chapter 31 verses 20 to 21 <laughs> i'm in a silly goofy mood i love it <laughs> <laughs> okay wait no back into this story okay <clears throat> Second Chronicles 31, 20 to 21. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. In everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and the commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly. And so he prospered. That Clara, I don't know, but that kind of goes back to your first uh, uh, situation with the test. Mm -hmm. Everything he did, he did wholeheartedly, Mm -hmm. you know? And everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and the commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly. But we also have to note that this happened after the consecration of the temple, the purification of the temple, after renewing the Passover. So we do have a new character. Like he built this new edge about him, Mm -hmm. this new edge in Yahweh. Like, I don't know. That's how you build character. He fell and look how he rebuilt faith in all those people, thousands of people. That's, that's commendable. Mm-hmm. And uh, brings me to the moral of the story. Moral of the story is the Lord doesn't expect us to know it all, babes. Give it up. He knows it all. And he knows that we aren't perfect. Elroy is one of the names of God in the Hebrew Bible. It is commonly translated as the God who sees me. He sees us when we're trying our best with what we got. And guess what? When you know God and when you have an intimate relationship with him, with Yahweh, you understand that he is a merciful God. When you know God, you're not insecure about the knowledge of God's mercy and grace because you're reminded of it every time you inhale and exhale. Worshiping God is remembering that he sees you and knows you. He knows about whatever you're going through, good or bad. He sees it better than anyone else. 
And our popman king, Hezekiah, understood that to a T. Was he perfect? No. But boy, did he try. And he was relentless. Remember, remember, remember when his faith wavered a little bit after he bargained with the Assyrians? Was it right? No. But he was trying his best. Or what about when the high priests sought outside help from the Levites with the burnt offerings? That technically wasn't allowed, but their intentions were pure. No, no, legit. It was to purify and honor the Lord's temple. He knows we are imperfect. And that, my friends, is an understanding God. <gasps> Ooh! Hey, Father. How'd I do? Okay, yeah. Listen, you gave me this big head. I don't know why I even... Listen, you could have made me have a normal-sized head, and then we wouldn't have this problem because I have this migraine and it's very painful. But also, you know what? Come to think of it, I would love to go to one of those Passover parties. Like, what was they doing? Were they dancing on tables? I used to do that. I did in the past. Not anymore. No, of course not. I would never do that. Oh, God.